Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode 51. Pat Hughes visits Fly the W. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. We're on live from 530 to 10, of course, 670. Your radio home for all things Cubs baseball. And speaking of all things Cubs baseball, as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Hey, how's it going? Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast and follow all our socials. That's Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. And you can email us on Fly the W670 at gmail.com. All right, Crowley, let's uh, let's start with this. Um, lots of continued chatter about who might be the shortstop of the future with our favorite baseball team and the uh, they're hunting for Carlos Correa. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of, you know, the, this is the kind of year when you get the hot stove rumors going. Um, the Cubs did make one minor addition and a couple of subtractions from the 40 man roster since the last time we talked, uh, they added third baseman Ryland Bannon off waivers from the Braves. So that might just be a little bit of insurance in, in case something happens with Patrick wisdom. He's uh, played a little bit for Atlanta, not much, um, he was drafted by the Dodgers, and uh, he's a righty. So, again, just kind of adding some positional depth. But the subtractions on Friday was the non-tendered deadline for MLB. So this kind of gets kind of fun to watch to see who gets tendered, who gets non-tendered, tendered, and you get some surprises like uh, Kyle Schwarber a few years back when he was non-tendered. So the Cubs non-tendered three players from their 40-man roster, Alexander Vizcaino, Braylon Marquez and Rafael Ortega. So that was, you know, there was a surprising name in that bunch. If you don't know Vizcaino, he was acquired in the Rizzo trade in 21. He played a little bit in South Bend, but I don't know the full story on this. I don't think anyone really does. It's kind of been bizarre, but he just chose not to report to spring training in 2022. So he was put on the restricted list and what ends up happening is, yeah, now he's gone. So, you know, that was, that was really weird. I don't really know what happened there. Braylon Marquez was the surprising one, Dustin. Yeah, there's the name, right? There's the name that we know. Right, and and he made his MLB debut in 2020. He was one of the Cubs' top pitching prospects 
Um, but he ended up with a lot of injury problems. And, he, and every time I kept saying Cubs keep infusing that system with talent, some of the older guys start falling down that list. And I just, you know, Braylon's injuries really affected his development. So he's gone. That's really shocking and surprising because of what you thought you might have had there. But that's part of the reason when we talk about prospects is it's important that you have positional depth all throughout the minor leagues. You can't just have like one catcher that you talk about or one third, you know, one thing goes, one thing goes wrong and you're in trouble, you know? Yeah, yeah, he'll uh, you know we'll see what ends up happening with him down the uh, down the stretch, and also uh, Rafael Ortega, another guy that uh, not going to be part of the team more than likely. Yeah, Rafael Ortega, like Frank Schwindel, had a strong 2021 season, but he just couldn't replicate it in 2022. He just struggled, he scuffled, all these things, and we talked about this before, Dustin. We didn't think he was going to make. I, 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 you know, it just really he was there until they were going to do this non-tender, and then that's it. So. The Cubs did tender 31 contracts on the 40-man roster, four arbitration-eligible players, and 27 that aren't. So they did come to terms with Rowan Wick at $1.55 million, and Adrian Sampson, our, our favorite, he got $1.9 million for 2023. That's awesome. Um, but Ian Happ, Nico Horner, Nick Magical, and Cody Hugh are all arbitration-eligible. So they were tendered contracts. They can dispute if they want to try to get some more money out of that. This is uh, Hap's last time on, on being um, arbitration eligible. He'll be full free agent, obviously, after the end of the season. Um, so he, he's you know good for him. And so the 40-man roster for the Cubs now stands at 37. And one interesting thing, Dustin, you know, is when you see these non-tenders, sometimes you get surprises that are on other teams. Yes. And so the Dodgers non-tendered Cody Bellinger. Um, so they've been shedding salary lately because of the uh, luxury tax and all of that. Bellinger was projected to make somewhere in the vicinity of $18 million. Cubs got an opening in center field, Dustin. What are you thinking here? Well, I mean, a flyer, right? I mean, you know, you don't have to pay him $18 million, right? Um, but, boy, he did not He did not have a very good, right? Barely 200 hitter last year, right? I mean, he just not... It's not the same. It's not the same guy, right? Baseball card looks pretty good overall still, but uh, on a flyer, sure. But I mean, how many other teams are going to take a flyer on him? And you know, maybe I mean, with the Dodgers, would he want to stay there for less? I mean, is there bad blood now because he didn't get the the eighteen million? So, uh, what do you think? You know, it's sometimes a change of scenery does a person well. Um, obviously, you know, he's not going to get a long term contract. It's going to be a prove it right. deal. So, you know, maybe he's going to have a little bit of motivation and sometimes you need to change a scenery, you know what I mean? And so that Dodgers team is stacked and he kind of just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But obviously he's, you know, he's been a talented player before. Maybe the Cubs can find something. I don't know. Right. I'm not against, I'm not against the idea. Like, would you do a, a, a platoon, a platoon with him out in center field potentially? Um, maybe. I mean, you could do I mean, let's put it this way. They could do a lot worse. Um, that's really not what my focus is as a fan though right now. It, it's more on who's going to play short third and be another starting pitcher is kind of where my focus is as far as being a fan at the moment. Well, if that's your focus, Dustin, you had a good week last week because there's a lot of buzz about Carlos Correa and the Cubs. A lot, a lot of, of buzz, a lot of buzz. Right, a lot of different writers, national and local, kind of writing about him. He's 28. He signed a three-year, $105.3 million with the Twins with an opt-out after each season. He, he opted out of that contract, so he's 28. 
He's coming off his best offensive year since 2019. He slashed 291, 366, 467 with 22 home runs and 64 RBIs. And so that's interesting. But uh, MLB insider John Morosi stopped by 360, Cubs 360 on the Marquee Network. And he talked to uh, Correa a lot. He, think, he says, I think for Correa, signing with an iconic franchise that plays in one of the great sports institutions of our country like Wrigley Field, that's a statement. And to say the team that's been out of the playoff picture for a few years, we're getting back there and I'm going to help us get there. The narrative to me speaks a lot of the Cubs fans. I think it's what Correa wants to be in the spotlight again. And I don't see another team out there that needs him as much as the Cubs do and vice versa. So I thought that was interesting. You know what I mean? Because, well, I also love the line though, Crowley, before we get too hot and heavy over Correa, and we'll do that in a second, but I love the, I love the, I love the line. Great sports institutions of our country like Wrigley Field. Yeah, federal landmark, man. So it, it's, but, but you know, obviously the, the Twins had a disappointing season last year, you know, in, in that awful division, they couldn't really do much. And let's be honest, you know, Minnesota, Chicago has a much more, you know, natu- national reach than, say, Minnesota as far as fans' interest in baseball and, you know, bringing Korea here would be huge. And I think getting that spotlight again would be exciting for him. And so if the Cubs can sell him that they are, you know, serious about winning and the way you do that is by signing big players. Well then, you know, there's a, you know, it'd be interesting. Now here's the thing that was surprising. Former GM Jim Bowden of the athletics predicted, this was his prediction. I got to get your opinion on this, that the Cubs would sign Korea to 10 years, $327 million contract. I don't like it, Crowley. It's a lot. It's not my money. That's a lot of do re mi. Okay, that's a lot of money. And again, he had a best offensive year since 2019. Hit 291, 22 homers, um, 64 runs batted in. Not, not fantastic, right? I mean, those those, those numbers are good, but are they are they 10 years, 327 million dollars? He'd be almost 40 by the time this contract got uh, that I don't know. Uh, I mean, I like the idea of Carlos Correa, don't get me wrong, but 10 years, 327 is a lot of money. Well, friend of the pod, Gordon Widmeyer, and you know Gordon is not necessarily the eternal optimist when New. it comes to the Cubs. The eternal pessimist, if anything. <laughs> but, you know, he's what, what Gordon said is the Cubs can't go into next season without a significant addition. Um, you know, they're going to have a lot of payroll flexibility. So Gordon sees them signing again, a long-term contract. That's the way that he sees it is, is a long-term contract with the Cubs similar to, I wouldn't say Jason Hayward. So I think he went less years than Bowden did. I think he said something like seven years, but you know, there was one more person that kind of, you know, my antenna went up when I heard this and that was, uh, on the Marquise sports networks, the reporters, athletics, Cubs beat writer Sahad of Sharma said that, he believed that none of the free agent shortstops would get a deal longer than eight years. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yes. Right. So he thought that the Cubs definitely would get it, but it's not going to be one of those long-term contracts. So, you know, that, that let's see what happens. You know, I mean, now he said he wasn't, you know, none of the shortstops would get longer than eight years. But, you, you know, when you talked about the Jim Bowden contract, it's the AAV and stuff like that. How much are they willing right. to spend? I don't know. But, well, I just wonder when you're when you're in a situation where you're 28. If you if you do the 10 year deal, that's probably it, right? It's probably the end. So would you be smarter doing like five at really high, 
and then hoping that the, the business of sports continues to grow like it does and rights holder fees are through the roof and TV fees and all that kind of jazz and that you would then have that second crack at it. I would say more than anything, I see a Jason Hayward type deal. It's the opt-outs. You know what I mean? So Jason Hayward had a couple opt-outs in his contract, right? And that way, if you do really great, yeah, you can leave and, and try to get the bigger dollars. But if you don't, like Jason Hayward, you don't have to opt out right. of your contract and you can continue collecting that check. So, you know, here, here's my opinion, though, on all of this, Dustin, here is that I like that comment by Morosi that the cub that the Cubs need him and vice versa. The Cubs, you know, we we talked about this. They cannot do any of that bargain basement shopping here. This has got to be, you know, you got to be going Gucci here. Um, according <laughs> according to a yeah, report, that was Boris, right? <laughs> Boris with all the name brands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Now, according to the Tribs, Robert Charnick, uh, Marquee Sports Network has experienced a 56% drop in ratings since launching in 2020. Not good, Dustin. And when you talk about the turnstile numbers at Wrigley for 2022, 2,616,000. That sounds great. Roughly 32,000. But this is the, you know, this was the first season since 2019 where there was no COVID restrictions, right? And so take away 2020 and 2021, that was the lowest attendance at Wrigley Field since 1997 when they drew 2,190,000. So that's a long time. That's a big drop. And, and when you look at those numbers and you're like, oh, 32,000 per game, that does not – those are season ticket holders, a lot of them, that don't end up showing the games because they can't give the tickets away. Right. So the Cubs need to do something, right? They got this new sports book open up. They have a large amount of real estate in the neighborhood. The marquee ratings are down. They have to do something. They have to make the Cubs relevant again. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, it, doesn't that sound weird to say they have to make the Cubs relevant again? Um, but listen, the numbers don't lie, right? This is one of those numbers don't lie. This is what's this is what is happening. It, it's real. So uh, yeah, very very interesting. They're going to do something. Also, a couple other little rumors, Crowley. Um, Abreu now supposedly being courted by the uh, Padres, I read. And uh, the Japanese pitcher also getting some looks from the teams out west. Yeah, you're, you're looking right now when you talk about uh, as far as Abreu, you have San Diego kicking the tires and you got Boston kicking the tires too. So, you know, we as Cub fans kind of get a little Cub-centric and we think all these guys are going to sign here. But there's other teams interested. Abreu is a great player. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not shocking that other teams are going to want to compete. When we talk about Cody Senga, there, there's, a, you know, he checks a lot of boxes for a lot of other teams, too. He's, he's clearly in, in a season where free agent market isn't that great. You know, he, he is an attractive option. And so, you know, the Cubs are going to have to that, – that's why people want Jed to really kind of get out there and jump and don't sit there taking your time. You, you have to start making moves, and if you don't, another team might just swoop in and take it. Now, um, we talked about Sanga, and, and, and wow, I think that having Saya on the team is a huge recruitment tool. So hoping that really kind of comes through clutch, but sometimes it's just dollar amounts, and, and sometimes for the Japanese players, I remember Shohei Otani only wanted it like a West Coast team. The only team he took a meeting with at the time was the Cubs. He was the only non-West Coast team that he took a meeting with. So um, I, I, I understand that. I know I know the Padres, you know, everyone even says maybe the Dodgers, who knows? Part of, you know, part of the reason people say that the Dodgers are shedding salary is to make a couple big moves. 
So they've let go of a couple names that were, you know, a lot of money that was tied up into it. And so we'll see what happens. But but Jed's got to be competitive. He's got to be aggressive and he's going to have to, you know, spend money. I know intelligent spending is a smart sounding term, but that's not going to impress an agent and that's not going to impress a player. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, Season 1, Episode 51. We called this one Pat Hughes Visits Fly the W. So let's take a listen to Pat talking with Crawley right now. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am honored to have the voice of the Cubs on the radio, 670 The Score, Mr. Pat Hughes. Pat, how are you, sir? Probably I'm doing fine, doing fine, just uh, kind of settling into the offseason. It's amazing how fast time goes. Thanksgiving right around the corner, and before you know it, the holidays, Cubs convention in January, and then pitchers and catchers report in February, so it's coming right up. Absolutely, and you know, Pat, I got to tell you, even though this year, you know, there was a lot of losses, it seemed like two different seasons. It seems like the first half wasn't so great, but it seemed like, a, you know, for a, for a year that wasn't very successful, the second half seemed like a lot of fun. How did you kind of look at the 2022 season? It was a long season. We got a little bit spoiled, Crawley, um, you know, starting in 2015, running all the way up to 2020. We were in the playoffs six out of seven years, winning division titles. And of course, the World Series was the, the pinnacle in 2016. So we got a little bit spoiled. I'll be honest, you get used to being in the playoffs and you want to be there every single year. And I'll, I'll be honest, I want to get back there next year. So I'm not really doing a lot of looking back at this last season, not to avoid your question. It was, um, it was a long year. It was not a successful year, but we did see some promising things. We saw the blossoming of Nico Horner, for example, at shortstop into one of the league's very best players, both offensively and defensively. He's a real leader. And I'm excited about watching his career. Ian Happ had his best year of his career in left. We saw some young pitchers come along. Keegan Thompson, uh, Brandon Hughes out of the bullpen. He's not uh, related to me, but if he keeps pitching <laughs> as well, he may have to be. Um, but uh, no, we, you know, we, we have um, uh, plenty of time between now and opening day of 2023. Hard to even believe I'm saying that. But um, I'm sure the Cubs will acquire a lot of players, Crawley, that are not with the organization right now, but they will be come opening day. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited. And, you know, one of, one of the highlights for me this season, I actually bumped into you at the Field of Dream game in Dyersville, Iowa. As a baseball fanatic that I know you are, how fun and amazing was that to be able to broadcast from Dyersville at the Field of Dreams? Very exciting. Unique. Um, the cornfields, the pregame uh, where all of the legends came out, Billy Williams and Fergie Jenkins, I think, was there. and uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. playing catch out in right center field. Very, very cool. And I commend the people over in Dyersville, Iowa, for preparing the field as beautifully and immaculately as they did. I didn't see a single bad hop all night. Um, it was uh, it's a big league experience. And, you know, to be honest with you, Crawley, after all of the fanfare and all of the hype, you get down to the business of playing a ball game and it becomes simply another game that the Cubs need to try to win. 
Absolutely. It was such such an amazing setting. And, uh, you know, another fun thing, you talked about Cubs convention. I got to see you, uh, you know, with the Fergie Jenkins dedication statue. And Pat, your speech is just always, you know, you just seem to be so, so great at that master of ceremonies role that you've done at CubsCon for many years. And then again, at Fergie Jenkins uh, statue dedication ceremony, it was really great to see Fergie finally honored and get the statue alongside his teammates. It was an honor for him and, and Crowley. It was an honor for me to be the MC. I love Fergie. He was the pitching coach of the Cubs uh, back in 1996 and seven, I believe those were my first two years as the Cubs announcer, and he could not have been nicer every single day. Uh, if I needed something, he was there. And if I needed an interview, he was there. Um, very down-to-earth man, very smart man. I love Fergie Jenkins, so I was honored that day. And, and as I said during the speech, I believe one of the lines was, let's cut to the chase. Ferguson Jenkins is the greatest pitcher in the history of the Chicago Cubs, and it's not even close. Yeah, he, it, it was just, you know, seeing him so overcome with emotion was great. Um, another highlight for me, I'm watching on TV and in comes Crane Kenny on the booth. And uh, you're, you know, kind of reading about some of the Cubs uh, new Hall of Fame induction members and he hands you the piece of paper and uh, you're also included on that list. How shocked were you when Crane came in and, and kind of was able to bestow that honor on you? It, it was stunning, but pleasantly so. And I, and I thank Crane Kenny, and uh, he's been a champion of Cubs radio for many years. He's been so supportive. So I was, I was very happy that it was him that was in the booth and delivered the message uh, as, it, as it turned out to be. But uh, he's been great. Uh, Tom Ricketts and, the, and his siblings, the owners, they are great. They give us total freedom, Crawley. And I think any broadcaster or any performer who is performing live day after day you really need as much freedom as you possibly can have. And they provide that. So I appreciate it. Uh, I love Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman, the, the other broadcasters. But you, you couldn't have a better color announcer than I do in Ron Coomer. And I feel like he is part of this Cubs Hall of Fame honor for me. Um, Ron Sando and I had 15 pretty good years together. Keith Moreland for three. Next year will be the 10th year for Ron Coomer and, and myself, and I can't believe how fast it's gone. But we covered all of those great teams, the World Series, but just on a day-to-day -day basis, Coomer is amazingly enjoyable to be around. He is smart, he is funny, he listens to you when you talk. I like what he does in breaking down the real intricacies of playing big league baseball and making it understandable for the average fan, whether that fan is a 10-year-old boy or an 80-year-old grandmother doing her knitting while she's listening to the games. He can, he, he makes you, he allows you to understand the game of baseball. And it's a very complicated game, especially at the level at which big league ball players play. Uh, he was a great player, uh, all-star. Uh, he survived a long time, not by natural, graceful, athletic ability. He's got a lot of athletic ability, but mainly, Crawley, Coomer survived because of hard work, period. And he applies that same work ethic to the broadcast every day. I don't know if you notice, but he watches video of the opposing pitcher who's going to be pitching against the Cubs every single day. So that early in the game, I will say to Ron, how do the Cubs get their hits against 
Adam Wainwright or whomever it is, and he will have watched the most recent appearances of that pitcher, and he'll say, well, you got to watch out for this. He's got a good fastball. He likes to sneak in a curveball with two strikes. He'll try to get you to chase. If you're a slugger, he'll try to throw a pitch in the dirt. Whatever it might be, he has done his homework, and I admire that about him, but he's fun, and so is Zach Zaidman. I love his laughter in the background on Cubs radio, but he is very much in tune with what Coomer and I are talking about. And if we're talking about Ted Williams, uh, in 10 seconds, he will have something up on his computer about Ted Williams. He will sometimes print it out and hand it to me. He's amazingly helpful and a great team player. So we've got a, we've got a good situation. And Mitch Rosen at the score, even though we no longer are employees officially of the score, uh, we were for a long time under Mitch, and he is still very much involved, and he is also a great guy to work for. So I guess what I'm trying to say, Crawley, is yes, I am in the Cubs Hall of Fame, but there are a lot of great people around me that, that make it pretty easy and very enjoyable to do my job every day. And you know, Pat, you really are one of the torchbearers for old-time baseball radio, the baseball radio calls, and I think that to me, there is no better sport to listen on the radio than baseball. And I've been always been a big fan of your Voices of the Game series. Um, I obviously, ha- you know, being a huge Cub fan, I have your Ron Santo and your Harry Carey Voices of the Game. And I know you're too modest of a guy, but would we ever get to have a Pat Hughes Voices of the Game CD? And, and, and how would that work out? Well, I would not be the one to produce it. I can guarantee you that, Crawley. But uh, it's called Baseball Voices. If any of your listeners are interested, it's been a very fun project, and uh, it's, it's at BaseballVoices.com. We have commemorative audio tributes of baseball's greatest announcers. Harry Carey, you mentioned. Ron Santos was a special edition because Ronnie was not a Hall of Famer at that time. He is now as a player, but the, it's, it's a broadcaster series. And uh, it was it was a special because of all the fun that Ron and I had. We put together about an hour, about 70 minutes of the like the greatest hits of Pat and Ron. And you will laugh. It's not really about baseball. It's more about uh, the quirkiness, the funny stories, Ronnie accidentally setting his hairpiece on fire, forgetting or unable to turn off the yogurt machine in Phoenix (laughs) and lots of others, but it's at baseballvoices.com. We also have a special CD about the Cubs winning the World Series. That was also a special. It's called the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. And I have that one as well. Yeah, they're available at, uh, at baseballvoices.com. But it's not just Cubs. We've got Mel Allen and Red Barber, Bob Euchre, Marty Brenneman, uh, Bob Costas, John Miller, We've got a lot of great announcers, Harry Callis, um, Bob Prince. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. Dave Niehaus, Denny Matthews, but it's, it's been a labor of love and, and people seem to like it. And I'm very pleased, Crawley, when they purchase one and then the next thing I know, they want to buy two or three more because they enjoyed the first one so much. So I yeah. must be doing something right. They are phenomenal. And, and, I, and you know what? The holidays are coming up. They're great gifts. 
for any Cub fan, you know, like my dad, I, I always get him one of the, the baseball voices and, and, and he, he loves them. So there, it's just an absolutely wonderful job. You know, I, I, it's, you talk about how fun the broadcast is. And I think it really comes across to the fans like myself, when we hear it, it's almost like we're at like a bar at the game and you talk about Coomer too. And yeah, he, he, he has a way of breaking it down so that people understand it. And then also Pat, you do a great job of just kind of leading just everything in. It's, it's just a well-done product. Now, recently you've also kind of started doing some TV as Boog Shiambi does rate uh, some radio on ESPN. How different is that for you to be on TV? A little bit, but once the game starts and, and you get beyond doing the on-camera open and the scene sets and all that stuff, once the game starts Crawley, it is similar, not exactly the same, but it's similar. You're, you're describing the action, you're providing background, you're doing a little homework, you got baseball history, you're trying to get the best out of your partner, whomever that might be, Jim Deshaies. I've worked with Ryan Dempster. I've worked with Rick Sutcliffe now in the last year or two. Doug Glanville did a game or two with me. It's fun. It's a challenge. And I think at some point in your career, it's always good to get out of your comfort zone and try something new. And the money's good. I'll be very honest with you there also. But um, it's fun. And I hope to do a few more. It's um, Radio is still very much in my blood. And I will, I will probably not leave uh, the radio booth until they yank the microphone out of my hand and turn it off because I love it. It's, uh, it's been the job of a lifetime and especially doing Cubs games with the audience we have. It's a phenomenal audience, the best you could possibly have. So I'm a lucky guy. It's a position of privilege and prominence, and uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but there is like a whole group of people that get super excited for your ad reads. And whether it's the village of Bedford Park called Maryland, whether it's the White Claw one, like it's 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 really, you know, there's kind of like this subculture around your ad reads. Did you know about that? Uh, not really, but um, I, I, I'm kind of, I guess vaguely aware of that. But uh, no, please tell me more, Crowley. <laughs> no, it, it, there's there's certain ones that everybody just kind of laughs or listens about, or like if if like. I would have never known where Bedford Park is if you hadn't mentioned it on Cubs radio or, 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 or you know, you know, just hearing you talk about White Claw or some of the other ones. It's 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 there's just kind of like we all just enjoy it. And, and so whether we're, a lot of times we'll be listening to a game on Twitter, you know, fans won't strike out. And we and, you know, all of a sudden people just finish the you know, your read and it's just people enjoy it so much. And it's kind of, it, it's 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 fun. It's, you know whether it's you or Coomer doing Funk Away or all the different sponsors, there's just kind of, kind of an enjoyment about it. And you guys do a good job when you read it. So it, it makes it fun for us. You know, I think you should have fun. I really do. Now, we work hard. Uh, a lot of people come in the booth and think we're just goofing off and, you know, not really caring about what we're doing. We care. Believe me, we care about providing the best overall coverage. It's a package, really. Uh, it's a lot of details. It's a lot of description. It's Coomer's knowledge. It's Zach giving out-of-town scoreboards, uh, uh, scores. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but you should have fun. And I love to laugh. I love to, you know, make other people laugh. So when you go to the ballpark, if you don't laugh out loud about three or four or five times, I mean, good, strong belly laughs, you're missing the point because being at a ballpark is a fun place to be. 
It was a fun game to play for me as a kid. I was not a great player, but I was good. I was on a lot of championship teams. I was not a big league baseball caliber prospect or anything like that, but I had fun with the game. I still have fun with the game and that's never going to change. And uh, if people enjoy what we do, if they laugh while they're listening, then I'm accomplishing one of my goals. Absolutely. And one goal for every Cub fan. I, I actually ran in, out, ran into you outside of game five of the world series. And I said, Pat, I hope you're enjoying this. Have a great call. You know, and, and we were now on the sixth anniversary of, of that magical run. I mean, as you were kind of going through that, did you have any nerves? How difficult was it for you to kind of stay focused knowing the enormity of what was happening with that series? Again, it becomes a job. And actually, this might sound kind of unusual, Crawley, but I remember when I was doing um, the number two job in Milwaukee with Bob Euchre, and there would be a ninth inning situation. I couldn't sit still because I had nothing to do. Uh, Euchre was doing it, but I'm, I'm just you know, ripping my hair out. Now that I have to be on every single pitch, I'm focused. And yes, I get excited. Uh, you feel anxieties, especially game seven of the World Series, knowing that however the game ends, it's going to be something major that Cubs fans will never forget. And I'm glad that they're going to happily remember it because they won. But you never know exactly how a game is going to end. So people were saying, did you plan out the last you know, call. And I said, well, no, of course not. I had no idea that Michael Martinez was going to hit a little slow bouncer to Chris Bryant. Uh, and then I just, I had to be true to my radio audience. And I, I told people if I, if I thought I was real clever and tried to plan out something real eloquent for the last out, um, it, it might've fit in certain situations, but not in others. A ball game, as you know, Crawley, can end in any number of different ways. It can end on a home run, a strikeout, an RBI single, a wild pitch, a throwing error, or just a routine one-hopper back to the mound to end the game, or a game-winning double with the bases loaded. So since you don't know how a game will end, it didn't make sense to me to try to plan out word for word what I might say. So I was lucky that it was a fairly... Routine play, although when Chris Bryant slipped, I almost lost my uh, composure <laughs> because I thought the ball might sail over Anthony Rizzo's head. Fortunately, Anthony was 6'4". He reached up, gloved it. I waited for the umpire to make the call, and then the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Absolutely. And, and that call is so great, Pat. And the one thing is that you actually write out that call a lot of times when you do autograph signings and you have an autograph signing coming up on Saturday, December 10th from 10 to 1130 um, in Wheeling with autograph one. And I don't I, I go to a lot of autograph signings, Pat. And, and you know, I think that the penmanship is a lost art. And when, when, when I go to get an autograph from you, first of all, you've always been so super kind, not just to me, um, but to everybody in line that comes to see you and, and you do the final call, you write that entire thing out and it, I, ha I have a copy of it and it looks absolutely gorgeous. I wonder if you wish you made a shorter call now that you got to write it out so much, but it, it, it you know, th with this signing coming up on the 10th, Saturday, the 10th, in Wheeling, it really is going to be, if people haven't gotten your autograph before, 
it, it, it's it's a beautiful your penmanship's beautiful it's fun and autograph one has like microphones and different pictures and stuff that you can get there and and you know fans just love to see you and you're so gracious with them pet well i'm looking forward to it it's at the western hotel in wheeling again december 10 at 10 a.m and that was fairly easy to, for me to remember crawley you got 10 a.m on december 10 and plus i worked with ron santo number 10 so the 10 was there and then both factors start with w it's in wheeling and it's at the weston and it's going to be a wonderful time there's another w for you so that's that's a perfect way to end it pat and i i can't tell you how much i enjoy talking to you and appreciate everything that you do with the broadcast uh you've been doing this basically half my life and and you're you've been the voice the soundtrack to so many Cub fans. So we look forward to seeing you on the 10th at the Westin in Wheeling at 10. And thank you, Pat, for coming on the Fly the W podcast. You're welcome, Crawley. My pleasure. You're listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. Great conversation there with Pat Hughes and Crawley. This is season one, episode 51. Pat Hughes visits Fly the W. Hey, Crawley, let's get into Wrigley Field uh, getting snubbed yet again for the Midsummer Classic. Yep, MLB announced the Texas Rangers would host the All-Star Game in 2024. So just, I, I was giving everybody a little bit of perspective on this, Dustin. The last time the Cubs hosted a, a All-Star Game was 1990. I was just entering my freshman year of high school. They haven't hosted since, and I am 46 years old. So it has been a long, long time. And long time. You know, the thing that's that's frustrating, I guess, is that, you know, the Cubs were assured, you know, that the All-Star Game would come to Wrigley when the stadium renovation was complete, right? And so the 1060 project technically ended in 2019. Now, lately they, they've added that annex, the sports book that's going to be going up with DraftKings. But, but the issue that I see here is, is, you know, it's like, how is it possible that that thing's not going to be done, say, by July, right? There's no way that doesn't get done by July. My, I would be shocked if that sports book is not ready by opening day. Um, I, I go to Wrigley. I try, you know, I go there probably once every, once every couple of weeks. And I, and I take pictures and I, and I look around and I see what it's doing and I see how far they're coming along. Obviously, you got to hurry up before the weather gets even worse. Um, but a lot of the exterior stuff is done. So I don't, I don't know how this could not happen. Now, um, in this summer on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, Crane's Kenny said, you know, hey, it seems like it's our turn, you know. And, and so, you know, he talked about there's only 30 teams in baseball, but you're talking about how many years since that All-Star game, since 1990. You're, you're talking about a really long time. And so, you know, I don't know. Crane said that the uh, well, a couple of teams, Crawley, have had it twice. Right, right. The, that, the, the Texas now, I think, is in a group of five teams that have had it two times since the Cubs last had it in '90. Right, and so you have uh, that was in Seattle too. Was another one that had it a couple times. It's just, it's getting silly. And what you got to kind of worry about here is, is that you know. If the Cubs don't get it, the next time that there's an opening, right, is 2025. That's the next time that you may have all-star that the Cubs have a chance to get in the all-star game. So Seattle's holding it, hosting it in 2023. 
Texas in 2024. And look, I know Texas built a new stadium and all of that, but it's well, that's just it. So here's the here's the good news for 25, Crawley, is there won't be a new stadium opening up between now and 25. Right. That's safe to say. So I think 25 has got a real shot. Yeah, you would you would hope for so, and I and I think that with everything that the Cubs have done. I, you know, I mean, think about 1990 to now, how Wrigley Field is a complete, I mean, it still is the iconic ballpark that it's always been, but I would, I would argue that the renovations have really made Wrigley just absolutely beautiful. I think with about 85 to 90% of what they did, I think looks phenomenal. Gallagher Way was not there in 1990. No right. Jumbotrons in 1990. Right. You had the stamp concrete outside and, instead of all the uh, beautiful terracotta that they've put around. Wrigley Field, so they have done the 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 home locker, the home clubhouse, and even the visiting clubhouse. You know, They've both been upgraded massively. Yeah. Right. So you you're you're sitting here and you're you're you have you have this beautiful stadium, and and I'm sure people, have, plenty of people, have seen Cubs games, whether it's on ESPN or or some other you know a Fox game of the week or whatever it is, but but it's just you know to have that there would be interesting. Now, 35 years since they last hosted an All Star game, right? And just for people that don't remember, the last time that the Cubs did host in 1990, they had three All-Stars there. They had Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, and Sean Dunstan. Now, they didn't get a hit in the game, but you know who won the home run derby, Dustin? 90. Would it have been Cecil Fielder? It was Rhino, Ryan Sandberg. Rhino won it, okay. Now what ends up happening is it was a pretty nice day leading up into it, and then it was one of those classic weird wind shifts in Chicago when the wind is howling in. So these guys are launching the balls, and they're not, they're not going out. And so what ends up happening is Sandberg hits, you know, the low-line drivers, and he, right. gets, he wins the derby with three home runs. Wow. So. You could that's a that's a that's a bar bet right there, Crawley. You could win some money on that one. Not necessarily that Ryan Sandberg Ryan Sandberg won it, but that he won it with three. Absolutely hilarious. And I gotta ask you a question, Dustin, because you know, if you had the choice, if it was up to you and and, and our wonderful boss Mitch Rosen, maybe he comes, he says, Dustin, you get to pick your tickets to one game. You one day because the all-star game is multiple days right and it's a big deal and so you see they have like you know the red carpet and everything on the city it's like a big deal so if, even if the city of chicago gets it it's huge for tourism dollars but if you had your druthers dustin if you had your choice between going to the home run derby or the actual all-star game which one do you think you would choose to go to i would choose the game um i think with wrigley i think i'd home run derby it around the park be it at the bars outside Gallagher Way, maybe with the maybe imagine the ball hawking going on during that thing. Like that might be just as fun as being in there. But I, I think it'd be the game for me. You? I think it'd be the Derby. I think that uh, I don't. It, to me, the Derby always is just a little bit more fun. Sometimes the game can kind of get a little bit. Uh, it, you know, the All Star Game is okay for me. I love watching the Derby, and and I, it's always been a dream of mine to actually see it in person and hopefully I, I always wonder obviously that we talked about the all-star game in 1990 with the wind blowing in but can you imagine if the wind is blowing out oh boy and, but if the wind was blowing out i'd actually <laughs> i'd actually want to be out on the streets i think that'd be so much fun 
Right. I mean, I it'd be nuts. It'd be absolutely nuts, but I think it'd be a blast. Or if you get one of those outdoor patio tables over at uh, Murphy's, right, you know, right, you'd right. probably have to you'd probably have to camp out in order to get it. Um, but that'd be that'd be fantastic. You know, Crowley, we've been talking about Wrigley Field. We talked about Gallagher Way last year, or maybe it wasn't last year, but the year before. Pre-COVID, you could ice skate out at Gallagher Way, but now Crowley, you can actually ice skate inside. Wrigley Field. Tell everybody what's going on with that to the best of your knowledge. Well, Dustin, I am super excited because I am going Wednesday to Winterland at Gallagher Way. So in the past, they had it last year. I think they might have even, not obviously not 2020, but 2019, 2018. They have, um, in Gallagher Way, what they would do is they would set up a Chris Kindle mark, right? One of those Chris Kindle markets. And you can go around, get different foods and different things that people are selling, tchotchkes and all of that. And they would have it would be very beautifully lit up. And then what they would end up doing is you ice skated in Gallagher Way. Okay. The Cubs have something new this year. What they're going to end up doing is that you they are still going to have the Chris Kindle market outside of Gallagher Way, but they're going to have a big giant carousel where the ice skating rink used to be. And that's all free. Uh, I don't want to say it's all free. I, I'm not positive on that, but you know, anyone can go to the Chris Kindle market, you don't need a ticket. Right. Okay. So I, I, you may need one to ride the carousel. That, like I said, first time they're doing it. So I don't know for sure. Um, but now, for the first time this year, you can go into Wrigley Field, and so you'll go in by the firehouse entrance, and you you have to buy a ticket. This one does need a ticket, and you go in, and they have all sorts of interesting things going on there. They have a train that goes around the infield track. Um, they have these like chalets you can rent out. They have um, this crazy ice slide that, that goes down. That's in right field. And then the ice skating rink is in center field. So I don't know exactly everything that's going to happen, but um, I am excited to be going down there. And if you've never been like, you know, Wrigleyville in, in the wintertime is a totally different beast. It's totally fun because I, all these places have pop-up bars, right? And so, like, there's Christmas – they're all Christmas-themed bars. There's one that's uh, Elf-themed bar from the movie Elf where a guy dresses up as Elf, looks exactly like him, like Will Ferrell. And, it's, and they have all these crazy drinks that you can get down there. So if you've never been down to um, Wrigley in the wintertime, highly recommended going. And, and, and then the next time we talk, Dustin, I'll have a review about what I saw on Wednesday and, uh, you know, hopefully tell a little bit of the people, you know, just, just what it's like, but I am so super excited and I can't even imagine, you know, it's just one of those weird things. When I was a kid, they never did any of this stuff. You know, now as a season ticket holder, they let you one day a year go on the field and play catch and run the bases and all this stuff, like stuff that, you know, when we were kids, I could never imagine. And now like ice skating and Wrigley and just seeing how beautiful it looks, the Cubs and Gallagher way, if you check out their Twitter account, um, they've posted a couple of different things up there and it just looks phenomenal from the inside of the park. The outside always looked beautiful, but the inside just, it, there was a picture. Yeah, it looks the other pretty day. cool. Looked yeah. absolutely. I saw amazing. some stuff on Twitter. It looked really cool. So I will go down there. I will, I will get a report. And, 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 and like I said, I really encourage people, if you haven't done it, it'd be fun to go to. Yeah, it looks, it looks like a blast. Absolute blast. Take the family down. There you go. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. This was season one, episode number 51. We called it Pat Hughes Visits Fly the W. Hope you have a uh, 
great start of your week. We'll uh, probably drop another podcast before Turkey Day, and then we'll uh, do another one after Turkey Day. If you don't uh, catch us between now and then, we hope you and yours have a great uh, Thanksgiving Day celebration. And look, I know it's tricky when you got family over, but if you still want to catch the breaking news, you can always follow us on our socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, Fly the W on Facebook. And don't forget, listen, download, review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about the Fly the W podcast. And have a happy Thanksgiving. It's all over.